It's time for the movie rain. Tonight's victim is actor Robert Lasara that has played in Death Race Remake, Bridge of the Doom, Attack of the Unknown, amongst others. Hello. Hey, Mike. How we doing, man? You know what? All things considered, I'm just uh, grateful that you and I can talk at all. Tell us a little bit about Bridge of the Doom that currently been working up to this point and it's getting some really good feedback already. Can you tell us a little bit about the story and how your involvement with it? Yeah, let me see. Let me check my uh, my little notes here that I have. Let's see. Let's see. Well, I like to be specific about narrative so the audience doesn't get uh, bogged down with a lot of philosophies. Based on, on, the, on the synopsis here, it's a group of soldiers are ordered to hold a bridge during a zombie outbreak. But what lives underneath the bridge proves to be even more deadly. I play a character named General Vasquez, which is kind of fun. I don't often get to play military people, and I thought it was ironic because I'm former military. Did you have to actually, like, a little bit of enhance the situation or the an existing element? Because this is a zombie film, and do you feel like you had to, like, enhance it or kind of alter or make it, a, like, a little bit of a different element, even though this is an old element that's it's a fun one, but having to uh, make it fresh, so to speak? Interesting question. I just show up, Mike. You know what I mean? Like, I show up with my, figuratively, with my guns loaded. So, I mean, in terms of disposition of character, prior to filming, you know, I read the story several times. I imagine what the landscape of that story looks like off the page in three-dimensional form. And then uh, through imagination as well, I also try to imagine the character functioning within that world. And uh, before I know it, I'm standing in actual circumstance, and we're doing it. They say action, and I'm there. So I think a lot of this has to do with my ability to create, you know, within the uh, fantasy of my mind based on what I see on the page, how I interpret them. So that in itself lends itself to the spirit of circumstance. You bring that with you. My military background, because I had that also lives in the memory bank, so to speak. Some things like riding a bicycle, you never forget. You've had experiences and you're placed in a similar experience, even though it's fiction, then you go, oh, I know what this is. This makes sense to me. I, I remember this. And so there's nothing to really fabricate or invent or enhance. You simply become that and are that. In terms of character development, disposition, like I said, I read the script multiple times to get a sense of character in relationship to the story and where I fit as a character. And so everything else, you know, the mechanics, all that stuff, I mean, I, I don't spend time manipulating so that I allow that just to be. The mind basically runs that show and the body follows. I get familiar with the character. I allow my imagination to envision what the writer has created on the page and I lift it off the page and manifest it in three-dimensional form in relationship to the other characters. You know, the language lends itself to the moment that's being communicated, what needs to be said based on circumstance, and uh, I authenticate that. The ability to authenticate that and be truthful has a lot to do with just being real in the moment that the circumstance presents. Since you've actually performed in even bigger budget films, uh, bigger studio films... Well, I mean, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a banker, man. So I don't really look at productions based on numerical, you know, big budget, little budget. I mean, film is film. You were talking earlier before the interview that you have a passion and a sensitivity for the, the heart spirit of storytelling within the frame of film. You know, to me, that has nothing to do with money and banking and, you know, any kind of measurement. That has everything to do with the soul of entertainment and how it affects people, how important it is. You said you thought that was really important. I think it's important, too. So I try not to get distracted by the ego thing, that, you know, the money thing. You know, what frame the image sits in? Is it a big studio thing? Is it a little independent thing? I don't look and deal with, like, terms like that. It's big and small. I remember a teacher once said to me, in high, when I went to the high school performing arts, said to me, all of us, he said, there's no such thing as a small part. Only small actors kind of carry that philosophy with me, man. So it's limitless in terms of what creativity allows if you don't get caught up in, you know, measuring stuff. You do what's required to have fun, and you entertain people. You know, if you believe what you're doing and you're passionate 
talking about it. I think that translates into good entertainment. We'll get excited when we see people fired up in whatever it is they're doing, what they're portraying. Do you think it's more difficult to bring the unexpectancy to the audience as you progress through from one project to another? Do you think that's best for that, or do you think there's a better route for that? Well, I think that's a collaborative effort. I mean, like, definitely you, you, in the performance, you don't want to be predictable. You can be heading one way, and then suddenly, just when the audience is following along a certain line with you, maybe emotionally, you shift to something else. And sometimes that stuff just happens miraculously all by itself because you keep yourself the freedom as an artist to experience the moment, experience those moments. And sometimes, just like in life, you can't always predict the emotional, psychological climate that comes forth in a circumstance. And so that can be interesting when you allow yourself the room to have those moments. As far as the overall, you know, the editor, other actors, the director, it's not like they're just painting the canvas alone. There's other hands on that canvas that affect the overall project. So, you know, it's hard for me to comment openly on how these things are going to be perceived. You know, ideally, you want there to be some sort of evolution from project to project so people can be excited to watch whatever you, in, whatever, you, know, whatever you appear in, but I don't have any control over the result. Not me just in a, in a studio by myself, like a painter, painting my own painting. There's many other hands on that canvas, like I said, that contribute to the result. But you don't always know what you're going to get. I can, to some extent, I guess, it's even possible to control what I'm doing and then hope for the best and that the editor and everybody else is involved. But their vision is coherent enough and effective enough so that it can entertain the audience. A lot of self-control happens a lot in the industry as well, especially in independence. Like they, like, and they even self-doubt. A lot of a lot of artists out there will, even though they, they'd be good at what they do, but they still have that self-doubt that they just can't get rid of. Well, it depends on the artist, man. I mean, if, if you marry yourself to your work and you marry yourself specific to the material that's been given you and you're fortunate enough and I emphasize fortunate enough to be in a position with director a director or writer that allows you the freedom to explore that character as it's written how it was conceived then you can just run with it and depending on your commitment to it and your ability to explore that you know with conviction then it'll I think it'll always be fruitful because you're committed to it and you've done the work and you show up in, uh, invigorated on that level so I think that Anything that interferes or tries to stifle that, that that process doesn't understand creativity. And that's where maybe you fall into the realm of television, certain types of television or media framework. It doesn't really allow artists to grow. They just use artists to communicate the fundamentals of sensationalism. That's not art. That's masturbation. It's pornography, in my, in my opinion. But when you're in a position fortunate enough to work on independent films and allow character development, intelligent story arc, and an ensemble where... Characters interact in such a way that's interesting to watch, and the dialogue is rich and well written. You can really dive deep into that pool. So, as an artist, that's your job. That's what you're trained to do. I and mean, that's what I learned in school. You know, character development, character analysis. Uh, you read the story. You try to understand where that character lives, the space he could breathe in, what his intention is, in relationship to the circumstance of others. And so, it just looks up off the page. It becomes the more dominant reality, and you bring that to the set, and you hope that others do too, and respect that process and allow you to experience that process and don't interfere with it. It's not a science project, man. It's not math. Some people get very, like I said, very intellectual about this process. I don't function that way, man. To me, it's a spiritual journey. Would you say characterization of integrity is more or less refined uh, on performance in a film, especially filmmaking today, or do you think it actually can is actually rapidly changing as we go throughout the year? That's a tough question to answer. I feel that kind of the hopeless situation in terms of content being questionable. What I mean by questionable, I mean sometimes wonder if why people are making movies. What's the motive? Because some of it's just so vapid. You don't feel any, there's any soul or heart in what's been made. It just seems 
mechanism of manipulation who to, to get results. Just when I think that it's over, uh, I'll see a movie, I'll watch something, and I'll be, you know, and I'm inspired. Whether it's 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even what, what people perceive as the golden age of Hollywood, there were still what people called the movies. There were still maybe what some might call, I wouldn't call them that, but some might call substandard products. Like, you know, you had studio movies, you had the big studios that cultivated and built careers for, you know, their chosen few. And then you had maybe uh, other actors that maybe weren't as celebrated and needed as much that, that performed and appeared in other films that were low budget, that were interesting to watch, you know. Maybe some were good, maybe some were not so inspired. So I think, to answer your question, I think just like then as now, you're going to see crap and you're going to see stuff that's just being put out to make money. It has no real interest in, in elevating consciousness or inspiring the people. It's, it's just there to distract you for an hour and a half, you know. And then there's others, I feel, that really have something to say. There's filmmakers, writers, people that collaborate that want to say something uh, and use you know, the medium to do it. And you can tell. They're, 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 and so I still see evidence of the you asked me about the issue of integrity. I still think that there's plenty of integrity out there in terms of that collaboration. It's sometimes difficult to get it out because of the politics play and the money games that are required to you know, get a movie off the ground, specifically the finance. And not everybody always agreeing on the final vision. It's a hopeful situation, regardless of what people might think. Because, like I said, just when I feel like it's over and that it into industry, I'll watch several movies in a row, and I'm like, "Wow, that was fantastic! Whoa, I didn't see that coming! Whoa, wow!" And I'm re-inspired all over again. So I think we're good. Part of the problem could also be uh, canceling out self-identify as an artist as well, and during all this as well. Mike, you know what? I think this is where perseverance comes into play. I don't want to sound all hokey and stuff, but and pie in the sky about it. I've been making my living at this now for over 32 years. So what I've noticed is, it's, for me, and this is just my trip. I'm not saying this has to apply to anybody else. It may not be applicable to anybody except me because it's a very personal journey. But what I've noticed is an evolution through time. It can be painful, it can be fruitless at times, you can look at results of your work or the so-called collaboration that you're involved in and wonder what were they thinking. And, and in terms of film, product, and the quality of it, I don't think any artist, performer, actor, whatever you want to call it, goes into it being a bad movie. I want to turn in a terrible performance. I don't think anyone in their right mind goes in with that, that notion. I think that ideally you want to be a part of something that makes impact, not necessarily from the point of view of ego, like look how great I am, it's more about paying tribute to the art form itself so that as an artist you can look at it objectively and go, wow, I participated with some other people in putting something together that I feel proud of because other people can watch this, be inspired by it, its story, etc. The difficulty is, is that, like I said earlier, you don't have control over that always. You, can, you, know, you only have control of your own ability to authenticate what they allow you to do. And there's all these other people. And so I think the answer to your question is perseverance, like I said earlier. You have to continue regardless of you have to continue to show up and do the best work you can, regardless of what the circumstance may point to, and hope for the best, because occasionally you try to look and go, wow, this is a good film. You know, every now and then, you, you, know, you work, you work, you work, you know, hoping that this one moment, try to string together these maybe one or several moments where you can look at it and go, wow, that was beautiful. I love that. You know, and so maybe that's as good as death. I don't know. I, I think that if you get too hung up on the result, can become discouraged and say, what's the point and give up? I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know how helpful that is. I think it's important to just do your best. And if you genuinely have a love affair with art itself, you cannot help but create, no matter what the result is or what the 
people around you, the producers, the writers, the directors, the other actors, the editor, distribution company, whatever the agenda serves that particular camp and product, even if you look at it and go, wow, how many of these do I have to do before I finally can participate in something that I feel has merit? And can be proud of. You still have to be grateful that prior to that you were still making a living, that someone's paying you to participate in anything. If you want to really get down to bare bones just to be able to make a living as an artist is a blessing in itself to my mind. So whether you're appearing in substandard product or movies that you're not proud of or movies that you think are okay, whatever the judgment is, you still, I think, to my mind, you have to be grateful that someone's hiring you at all. We do have a submitted question. Uh, the question is, you might know him, Moin Omari, who did the uh, Bridge of the Doom poster. He did Design all the posters for the Bridge of the Doom yeah, film. Very talented illustrator, extremely talented illustrator. I love his work. Oh, definitely, man. I totally do too. I checked out all the characters and stuff that he recently posted on his Facebook. So check out his Facebook real quick when you can after this. But his question is What is it like getting character shots taken on set, then seeing them turned into posters for the character? Well, it depends on who's got the camera. <laughs> you know, uh, some people can make you look real good, other people, you just uh, you curse the day. But in this case, Mohim, is, uh, he's extremely talented. I hope I pronounced his name right. It makes you look really good. A vanity, man. I'm just, I'm speaking to vanity right now. Just like what I'm seeing, not just in my own reflection, my own narcissist trip. When I look at all the people that he's photographed for Attack of the Unknown, Bridges of the Doom, I'm really impressed with how he brings those characters to life and animates them in a way that makes it exciting to look at and gives them a quality that they may not necessarily have uh, without the magic that he does. So yeah, I'm very impressed. And, and But I find that the challenge with the photo shoot on set for me is difficult because when they say, okay, Robert, stand here, hold this, it feels artificial. I, I like when people take pictures of me when I'm not looking, possessed by the disposition of character, and so there's no self-referencing going on. I'm not watching me stand there, take the picture. Uh, when I'm enveloped by the circumstance or character, there is no witness to what I am. It just happened. And sometimes you get the greatest photos like that. The real challenge with the photo shoot is that you have to kind of self-impose hypnosis where you've got to go there again within this very artificial setting in front of a green screen or whatever you have to stand in front of while they're taking the pictures and recreate the circumstance without anybody really being there. There's no other actors there. It isn't the heat of the moment. You've got to do that internally all by yourself, and that can be, I find, very challenging. I can do it. I just don't feel necessarily that the, I'm not always happy how that appears. But then with, with Moeen, he, he still can take it and turn, make it into magic, so I think that's why I call it an exceptional photographer. Do you want to plug in any websites or anything we can check out right now or anything else you care to No, I'm not, not big on websites, but I, I would like to mention a couple of people and a couple of films. Big thank you out there to Michael Mohawk. Michael Mahal and Sonny Mahal for believing in me and allowing me to portray a character that I don't think anyone else has given me the opportunity to portray. So I'm, I'm really grateful to Michael Mahal and Sonny Mahal for believing in me and uh, Michael Sue, who directed Bridges of Doom, extremely talented cinematographer and slash director. It's a pleasure to work with him. It's a great team to be uh, associated and I'm just grateful to work with them. And then uh, so the films are Attack of the Unknown. Keep an eye out for Attack of the Unknown, uh, directed by Brandon Flagel, great director. It's a pleasure to work with him. And my friend Richard Grieco, it was a pleasure to work with Richard on Attack of the Unknown. Sweetheart, great guy, great actor. And Bridge of the Doomed, uh, fantasy for me, uh, I'll admit this, that uh, I've always been a big fan of Michael Perret. So it was a real honor and pleasure to work opposite of Michael Perret and Bridge of the Doomed. That was a dream come true for me. Great experience. And uh, another film I want to plug is called uh, The Talking Tree, 
directed by um, Ricky Borba. It's a Christmas movie, a kind of spirited piece, uplifting story of hope, reclamation. A little bit different than some of the stuff that I hear, and I'm really excited to be uh, involved in that. Stars uh, Sally Kirkland, Doug Hutchinson from The Green Mile, Todd Bridges, George Slut, Slut I think it's his name, Talking Tree, that I'll be out Christmas. I'm really excited to be a part of that as well. And there you have it, everybody. That is actor Robert Lasardo.